Hi there and welcome to the latest edition of the JS Net Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by Fans for Fans, where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 232 of your weekly JS Net Podcast. I'm your host tonight, I'm Colin Armstrong. So I see every week, guys, it's not just the pod that we do here at JS Net. If you get yourself onto the website, you'll find the forums. Uh, there's a history archive on the website there as well. Loads of stuff to, to for, for, for Rangers fans to enjoy. Uh, but we always ask you to support the pod as well. You know, put the word out there in social media. Let your friends know that you listen to us or watch us or whatever. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I think we're approaching 6,000 subscribers on there now. Uh, so if you could do that, that would be brilliant. Uh, before I bring in my guests, I have to mention our partners at Forest Precision Engineering. Uh, they are a Glasgow, a Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a, a big commercial supporter of Rangers for a number of years. Uh, if you want more information on them, you can visit our website at www.forestprecisioninc.com. Uh, you can also visit the the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, which is in the main stand. Uh, I hear it's quite a stunning uh, lounge. I haven't been yet. I haven't been invited. Hint, hint. But uh, <laughs> for more information on how you can book this. Uh, you can email the club uh, at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Uh, so on to today's uh, tonight's show, bringing my guests. Uh, we've got we've got a newbie, a new guy on the night, uh, the guy in the middle there, uh, a guy called Ross Bennett. Uh, welcome to the, the pod, Ross. It's uh, it's always good to get new guys on the show. New guy, well, new new year, new me, I suppose. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, I'll try to slim down a little bit in the new year, have a positive outlook on Rangers. So yeah, maybe I'm a maybe I'm a new face. I'll be positive. What I will do is as a resolution, and as it is New Year, New Me, I won't mention Scott Arfield today. How's that sound? Oh, uh, well, you won't mention him in a negative respect because you, for some reason you don't like him, and of course he's my he's my absolute hero. Uh, no, I, I actually from from this point on, I don't intend to mention him at all. So if you ask at me all. any questions about Scott Arfield, I will remain silent. Okay, I mean Scott Arfield to me. I mean he's he's the only person that's younger than me that I think I wish he was my dad. You know, what I mean Scott Arfield be my dad. I think that'd be pretty cool. But and I just don't get your your absolute hatred for him. But uh, before I move on, happy new year, by the way. Happy new year. Yeah. Uh, and have you been keeping well? Not bad at all. Yes, keeping yeah. nice and busy down here in England. But um, I can't complain. Cannot new, new job going well. Yes, uh, so I, I work for a, a football team down here. We've been having a tough, a tough run. We've got one win in seven. We had the game yesterday. We were three 0 up at halftime, and we drew three each. So uh, not a good day yesterday. But no, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work, but a lot of fun. I get to work in football for a living, mate. I love it. I can just say if. if you brought Scott Arfield off the bench, that wouldn't have happened, but we'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> and also joining us tonight is Gary Valentine. Gary, how are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to yourself. Yeah, doing very well. Nice, nice wee break. Back to work tomorrow. Is your, uh, is your heating not working? You look like you've got a big sort of... It's uh, my car store. It's my car store. Oh, there we go. So what, so what part of it is defected because there's always some part of like a store item you know there's either something's upside down or no quite ironed on right it's actually all right but when i got the stuff in the black friday sale and what happened was i got a pair of shorts as well so a couple of days later i got an email saying the shorts aren't in stock so they returned my money and when the package came the shorts were in the bag so <laughs> got a few pair of shorts that sounds a very Castor thing, I must admit. I'm, I'm, still I'm, waiting for, I'm still waiting for my delivery for last year's Black Friday as well. We never ever appeared. 
maybe that's why you got a free a free pair of shorts maybe, this uh, year. Maybe maybe they've realised. Maybe oh, there's Gary stuff. We never sent that last year. We'll give them a free pair of shorts this year. Who knows? Uh, right, guys. We'll get, we'll get right on it. Right on to today's game against Dungeon United. Uh, an, an, another victory for Bio. I think that's five out of six or something like that uh, since, since he's arrived. And obviously, he was only two minutes away last week from 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 making it six out of six. Uh, Ross, I'll come at you first. I mean, it, it really was a sort of stereotypical game of two halves. I mean, the first half was a hard watch is probably the best way of putting it. And, you know, a real sense of deja vu, you know, having been here so many times with this sort of, this Rangers team and just a feeling that we weren't going to do anything. We weren't really breaking them down. I mean, one thing I will say since Beal arrived, I think the intent the attack has 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 improved, but I just felt in the first half just a real lack of quality and just as I said, a sense of a deja vu. Yeah, I, I felt the first half it wasn't as you say it, it wasn't great to watch. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was sloppy. And I thought it was a little uninspiring, but I thought we were up against a poor team that didn't offer a lot. I mean, they had one shot on target for the whole game, I think, um, and I. I think what Beal has shown, there have been a number of games where it has, I think you mentioned there, it's been a game of two hats. And this was this was another one. The first half, it was it was slow. The passing was poor. We, we've looked poor in possession at times, I think, over the last couple of months. And we saw that again in the first 45. Now, I don't know what Beal, I'm not sort of tactically astute enough to know if Beal has made changes at halftime in these kinds of games or if it's um the way he's given information in his team talk or something along those lines, but it really was a, a marked difference in the second half. And given that we got a good result today, I think it's it's fair to focus on the positive side of the game. Um, I, I, I thought we looked excellent in the second half. I thought we looked uh, we had a lot of hunger, a lot of desire, a lot of appetite, a lot of quality at times as well. Um, so maybe maybe we say we grew into the game, um, but I think you, you make a really good point there. Buell has clearly identified the way that he wants this team to play. Um, and you could see that in the second half today. You could see that particularly in the second half of the Old Firm game last week. Um, he knows how he wants the team to play. I don't think he's got the players to do it at this point. Um, and I think it, it it comes down to the recruitment, which we will, of course, talk about later on. Um, but it's, yeah, a, a, a poor or an uninspiring first 45 minutes. But actually, coming away from today, I'm, I'm pretty positive. Yeah, I mean, it was. A, I think it's the first one we've had up there since the fifty-five season, November twenty twenty. I believe I might, I might be wrong there. I might be working off memory a wee bit, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that since that that game that Tavernier scored that spectacular free kick, I think that was the last time we won up there. Gary, I mean, as as, as Ross has sort of said there, you know, really poor first half. Uh, really struggled to find any rhythm. I, I don't think you know Rangers look. Like they were in any danger, you know. I don't think Dungeon United were battering us uh, but far from it, actually. But just you know, it felt like we were struggling to find a rhythm. Uh, as I said, the intent was there, but just really lacking in that quality. Second half, though, uh, you know, I mean, the first thing we noticed at half time was Cholak was off. Apparently, he's picked up another injury. Morelos came on. I don't know if that inspired them. I don't know because I'm I'm still not in the best frame of mind when it comes to Morelos. But you know, certainly the the, the intent in, in, increased. And looking at looking at the the stats here, you know, it was seventy percent possession against thirty percent for Dungeon United. You know, we had twenty shots in total against Dungeon United six. Uh, Ten of them were on were on target. Dungeon United had one on target. You know, 
the stats really suggest a, a dominant performance and it certainly felt like that in the second half. You know, we really upped it with the two quick goals uh, and, you know, really good. It's always good to stuff them up there, you know what I mean? Because they're an unlikable club. Aye, but I think in the first half, Kolak, um, I think he looked like a player that had been out for, for quite some time. They didn't really get into that much and kind of had a one-half chance. Uh, when they brought in Morelos, I think uh, he, he, I don't know if the players maybe trust him a bit more for that role, but uh, I think he, he certainly lifted us when he came on. And uh, most of your good work comes when Morelos is on the park. So I was, uh, I was quite chuffed that, that he made the change. So it's sad that it was a, if he collects Tina Nock, because um, he's not had much luck with injuries recently. But um, yeah, and I think there's a lot of positives to take, especially the second half. Kind of like we, we, we got the two goals, the game was kind of wrapped up. We managed to get minutes on the park for other guys. We managed to get like, Tillman and that off. So yeah, I think it's, it was a, a good result. Ross, the first goal, uh, you know, a, a great through ball from Borna, uh, who will come on to talk to. You know, it was kind of flicked on for Ryan Jack, but the the, the touch for Sakala, uh, the first touch for his right to set it up and then the finish for his left. I mean, we'll, we'll also come on and, and, and talk about Fash because he really does seem to be in a, I would argue it's maybe his best sort of runner form in the team at the moment but I mean it was a great goal a brilliant goal you know the best thing about it like I was sitting watching it on my son the day right and he left to go to the toilet on like 54 minutes and he came back down the stair and it was 2 0 <laughs> so, so he missed both goals but we'll focus on the first goal at the moment uh, I mean great I mean it was, it was a great ball through from Borna but the, the two touches for Sakala you know the first one he set himself up to hit up where he's left uh, on the volley brilliant really really good Joe, you know, it's it's not just. I mean, of course, the, the touch and the volley are brilliant, but actually, ten seconds before the goal, he's Sakala's dropping really deep and pulling defenders up the park, which allowed for the space for for Ryan Jack to come across to the left flank. Sky Sports actually did a, a really good bit of analysis on it after the game. Um, Sakala dropping deep and pulling defenders out of position opened up space for Ryan Jack. Wonderful through ball from uh, from Borna. I've never seen a creative flick from the shoulder before. Um, and if you had to sort of pick which Rangers player is going to come up with an inventive, creative flick, you would never pick Ryan Jack. Um, so I don't know if he kind of if he meant to do that or if he's just trying to lean back into the ball or what, but it worked. And then the pace the, the, the pace of Sakala to make all that ground up, given, as I say, he had dropped in really deep. Um, we know that the pace his pace is his biggest asset, Um but the pace to make up all of that ground and to, to, to get ahead of the defender who was in front of him was brilliant. The the, the skill, as you say, to um, flick over with his right and finish with his left, it reminded me in a way, uh, do you remember the, the Alfredo Morelos goal against Porto at home? It's, yeah, it's yeah, a very yeah. different goal, but in a way it's very similar. The ball comes into him at pace, he flicks it with one foot and he volleys it with the other. It's a very, very clever finish. And it's, like, there's that old cliche sometimes with, with sort of not great strikers, as I, unfortunately I, I wouldn't put Fashion Sakala down as one of the all-time great strikers. Sometimes strikers make a hash of it when they have too much time to think. I think Fashion Sakala definitely falls into that category. Like you can see sometimes when he gets the ball and he stops and he sees his man in front of him, or he's one-on-one with a goalkeeper and he really fluffs it because he's got too much time to think. This was all instinct. Like, yeah, instinctive, yeah. 
it was at such a high speed, such a high pace, it had to be his instinct. Um, it was a, a really, really smart finish and it was kind of what the game needed, I think, to spark it into life a little bit. So uh, really, really enjoyable. And as you say, he's he's on a great run of form. The smiles back, he gave a really good interview on, on Sky Sports after the game, um, talking about how much he's enjoying it and he's found the first part of the season tough. But it, uh, we, we spoke earlier, Bill has an attacking style of play that he wants to play. And it seems to suit fashion Sakala. Now, I thought he was, Sakala was particularly poor first half, gave the ball away a number of times, mm-hmm. tripped over it. Um, but that's what you're going to get from him. Um, he created both of our goals against Celtic. Um, he's scaring teams with his directness and he scored a wonderful goal today. So I think he can rightly be very, very happy. On Sakala, Gary, you know, I, I, would, I would say he is uh, enjoying the sort of best run a form since since he's came to Rangers now he's, he's been in and out of the team uh, since he signed you know and there's been long periods when you know I, I'm certainly not being convinced by him you know he, he can be quite a frustrating player as, as, as Ross said and even that first half performance today you know you're looking at him thinking oh he's just no got what it takes but one thing I like about him is and I, I, I think I said this to Stuart Reid a couple of weeks ago on the show I, the only person I can sort of remember having a similar type of attitude, and this is the only comparison I'll make b- between the two, is his, his attitude is kind of somewhat the McCoy's to me. Is he, he just keeps going. He doesn't seem to be able to be knocked down in terms of, no matter how bad a game he's having, uh, and he's had a few, you know, over Rangers. He's, he's looked out his depth on, on more than one occasion. But he, he just seems quite infectious. He seems really positive and he keeps going. And now he's got the confidence, as, as, as Ross pointed out, you know, he, he set up the goal for Kent last week. He won the penalty uh, that put us 2-1 up. And he got the man in the match against Celtic last week. And I would probably say de- uh, deservedly so. So it just shows you a, a little bit of confidence can make a lot of difference to, to, to a player and, and what they're contributing to the team. And I think that's the case with Sakala now. You know, he looks confident and we're seeing the benefits of that. Yeah, definitely. See, the, that, that goal today was an absolute beauty. Um See that when you you seen the ball getting put over, and like there was no way he should probably go to that ball first. He just put the handbrake off and, and managed to get it. Eh? Um, but just before that, he should have scored as well. Keeper made a, an absolute standing save. Um, but yeah, I think it's like it's like every striker. See, um, can it is confidence? You need goals, but as you say, the one he does it never ever gives up. Keeps going all the time, and I'd imagine his enthusiasm will rub off to other players. Yeah. in the team as well because uh, you see he's working it's brilliant he fights for everything runs for everything uh, and he seems popular as well you know I, I get yeah. the impression I get the impression that his teammates want him to do well yeah definitely definitely so you kind of so obviously you're just watching games on TV and things like that but I mean you, you see them you know, scoring the players players all around them and that kind of it's a uh, when he's smiling we all seem to be smiling because he's a uh, He's always seen to be doing something right, but um, as I, I should have actually had a hat trick today because there was a, a chance there just before he went off that he put over the bar. I thought I was quite unlucky as well, it was a good effort. But uh, yeah, he, he, I don't like Sakala, his numbers are good. I mean, obviously, know his limitations, but I think he's a, he could be a useful player. Uh, Ross, I also wanted to talk about Bonner because uh, you know, he's, he's certainly someone that uh, he's frustrated me recently. I think, I think he's. He's, he's actually having not that bad a season uh, compared to you know other seasons, but he's certainly a player that's that shrank over the last couple of seasons. You know, there, there was a period there when he was 
we sort of looked at them as one of these ones that will develop and, and sell on for a profit. That time seems to have passed, uh, if, if, if we're all being honest. But the ball through for the first goal of the day, you know, I, I don't know how many times I've, I've, I've sort of said the, the phrase, for fuck's sake, Borner, you know, it, it, his delivery sometimes just goes behind the goal and all the rest of it. But time after time, you know, especially in that second half, you know, that that ball that, that, that went through for Sakala, you know, he's involved again, time and time again in that second half, he was getting getting put down for you on the, on the left-hand side and sending in good deliveries. So he has a player that frustrates and, you know, has you tearing your hair out at times. But again, it, it, it just keeps coming up with these moments. Yeah, it's, it's a really frustrating one. His um, his peaks and troughs of form seem to be incredibly long. Like his first <laughs> season at Rangers, well, he was he was awful for like a yeah. year, and then to the fifty five season, he was unbelievably good. Like he was yeah. um, So where other players have like three or four weeks where they do a bit of a wave, he, Borna seems to either have a, a good or a bad season. Now this season, it's it's more good than bad. It's not as good as the fifty five season in my mind, but um, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating to watch. I actually think um, what I like about Borna is he's, I think this season, I don't have any stats to back this up, but I feel that he's actually got stronger defensively. My main gripe with Borna last season was he was letting so many balls into the box mm-hmm. um, and he, he was just failing to stop the cross time and time and time again. Um, I feel, I just have a feeling that that's slightly better. I don't find myself getting as frustrated at Borna defensively. Um, so that's good. That's very good because we have conceded too many goals from from balls into the box. Um, yeah, he's he's not he's not consistent enough to be a top level um, attacking fullback or wingback, which is obviously a, it's a lazy cliche, and I'm sorry to bring it up, but that's why he's at Rangers because he's not consistent enough to do it at the top level. Um, I agree with what you say that his time to be sold on for 10 million plus is is behind is behind us. That was 18 months ago, um, and I don't think it will happen. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled that he got to go to the World Cup. Um, he only played 90 minutes, but he's it, it does show he's a he's a really talented player. But for all of those things about Borna, for all of his his pros and his cons, the biggest frustration for me actually seems to be his mentality. I think he comes across as quite a weak player, um, which given the rumours about his sort of family, are, it, it sounds really, really silly <laughs> to think that he would be... Sort of as, in, as in contrast with his background, as to be saying. Yeah, exactly. So... I, well, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard him talk? It, it does sound like he would he would kill you with a, a, a minute. You know, like slit your throat without even thinking about it. Well, I'd also say I actually saw him once, um, sort of walked past him outside Ibrooks, and he's uh, actually quite a big, intimidating, and somewhat sexy bastard in person. Like he's he's a big guy, he's an imposing guy, and yet I sometimes feel that he gets a little bit bullied in the park. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that really, I think, is what frustrates me most. Um, I would, I was hopeful when Rid Van Yilmaz came in at the start of the season that there would be some genuine competition. Uh, I didn't want to see Borna completely dropped because we've seen what he can do. His assist numbers have been great for a number of years now, and he did it again today. Um, oh, who was the, what was the game we played before Celtic, um, where he put a, a wonderful ball into the box again for a, a, an Alfredo Morelos goal? Um, Motherwell. Uh, Motherwell. So he is doing it. He's he's still producing the the goods time and time again. But 
uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating because I think it can be better. Hey, the second goal, Gary, uh, really quick, you know, as I said, my son missed both of them, taking uh, a visit to the loo, so, you know, it, it almost practically killed the game off, you know, so good work again from Tav on, on that right-hand side, cut into Sakala, uh, rebounds to Tillman, and I've watched the goal three or four times now since since the game's finished, and I argue that the, the route to goal that he chooses is the only route that, that sees that ball going at the back of the net. There's so many defenders running towards him, so many of our players in front of him, and for him to, to find that, and he doesn't even put the laces through it, I would say sort of side foots it and guides it into, into that far corner. In my opinion, it's the only way the ball finds the back of the net, the, the route that he takes. I mean, I know he can frustrate, and again, in the first half, it, it, was, it was a bit in and out and a wee bit frustrating, but more and more, I think, we're starting to see the, the quality that this boy has. He feels to me like someone that, you know, as Beal's moving forward, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the players that we've been linked with, especially in midfield, that, to me, he's a player that we should be building that midfield around. I totally agree. Um, he's maybe a bit of a flair player that he might drift out of games, but when he drifts into them, he, he does stuff like that. He, he totally took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, about the finishers, we'd say the same. Uh, there's literally nowhere else you can put that. And he just found that gap because there's that many people in front of him. The keeper's no, no seen it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a lovely camp finish. Whereas you maybe maybe get somebody that would just can blast it or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But he said that composure to just can calm it down, just see how we look, see that hole, and then and pass that in the, the net. But yeah, I totally agree with you as well that um, we should be building the team uh, around them. Um, I'm hoping that we keep them. Because I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, I'm not sure about, about the figures are getting bandied about for him, but uh, okay, that, that's that's the kind of player we should be looking at. Somebody that's, that's got potential but can do it now, and then maybe move on in a few years. But, uh, yeah, I really like him. I think uh, he was maybe let down a bit with Van Bronckhorst when we played him in position a wee bit. But Michael Beals came in and played him, and I know it suits him a little better. And he's he's certainly scored a a good few goals for us now. And to be a, a goal scoring midfield or something we have been lacking for yeah. a few years. So uh, yeah, yeah, I like him. I think I think that my concern with Tillman is if, if I'm if I'm right in this, I believe we've got first refusal on him, which is for five million. However, I, I believe that Bayern Munich can then accept any offer above that from another club. So that's my biggest fear that if he continues to develop the way he's developing, that. We might not be the only party interested uh, come uh, come the summer, but time will tell on that. It, Ross, re- really wanted to talk about Ben Davies because, you know, we, we've struggled in the centre-half positions all season. Obviously, Conor Golson was out for a period there, uh, injured at the Liverpool game. You know, we've had Sands at, at left, but it's sort of centre-half. We've had uh, Lundstrom covering there at times. Obviously, Suter was injured in the first game of the season. Hollander, I mean, is the guy still alive? I don't know. I believe he's still in crutches to this day. Uh, so we have been really, really unlucky in that position this season. I don't care what anyone says. I think it's affected results and performances and stuff like that. You know, there's, when you've not got a, a sort of solid centre-half pair in it, it's obviously going to cause you problems. Davies, just, it, it, just every game that passes. Now, obviously, at the start of the season, he was coming in for... 45 minutes here and then out and 45 minutes there. He seems to be, have been gradually building up his minutes and now, you know, that's a, that's a few weeks now he's been getting the 90 minutes. And him and Goldson just look so solid together. And, and I, I think 
I mean, even last week against Celtic, I thought, I don't want to say he strolled it, but it, it, it looks more than capable of, of playing at, at, at that standard. And looks like another one that, if we do it right, it, it, you know, it could be someone we can move on further in the future. Yeah, I think when you play the way that Rangers play with the, the high-pressing fullbacks, you need to be so solid and so dependable in your, in your centre-halves. Um, that inspires confidence in the rest of your team. Um, and so having James Sands or John Lundstrom or, or Leon King coming in, and that's, there's no disrespect to any of them. Maybe a little bit of disrespect to James Sands because his performances have been wiping. But certainly no disrespect to, to little Leon King, who will develop into a fine player. But the injury crisis at centre-half has been particularly acutely felt there. Um, as you say, John Suter and, and, and Philip Hollander should both be very, very important players to this team. Um, ben Davies, we spent a lot of money on him, so you'd expect a good return. Um, and I would expect a, a, a really strong first-team player who is... Um, more than capable of, of turning up at this level. So, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm very pleased to see that he is developing into that or he's growing into that role. Um, there were a lot of rumours flying around about why he was unavailable, if it was injury, if it was, if it was personal reasons or, or what have you. Um, putting all that to one side, I am just so pleased to see him, um, I, I guess, living up to the price tag. I think you're absolutely right. He, he's also inspiring confidence in Connor Bolton. Um, I think Connor is is usually so solid and so dependable, but you always fear who's next to him. Um, or I certainly always fear who's next to him if it's, if it's James Sands or if it's Leon King. So, but like I say, having two good, solid centre-halves, it inspires confidence for us to have the freedom to play the way that Nick Beale wants us to play. Um, I think he's been really, really impressive. And, uh, yeah, long may it continue. Uh, right, Gary, on to the, the striker debate. Uh, there, there was an interesting discussion after the game on Sky uh, around Alfredo Morelos, Chris Boyd, and it, it has been really critical of, of late. Continue that today. Andy Walker uh, was sort of on Morelos' side, uh, which seemed odd considering some of the comments he's made about him in the past. But, you know, Andy Walker was suggesting if Morelos goes in the summer, which is, is, is a likely and um, probable outcome considering he's not signed a new deal you know that it would be a real problem for Rangers because he really is that focal point you know I, I don't think he'd done all that much when he came on today I've got to be honest with you but I, I think he did galvanise the team you know as, as you mentioned earlier on other players took confidence for the fact he was there certainly one thing he is good at is, is getting the team up the pitch you know he can, with his back to goal he can he can hold off defenders and, and lay it off and bring others into play I'm not entirely sure that's that's Cholak's game I think he's more just a, an out and out goal scorer but, you know, where are you in the Morelos debate? Because, I mean, I've said for a few a few weeks, months now, particularly this season, that I'm kind of done with Alfredo Morelos. This, you know, Andy Walker was giving it the day the, you know, if Rangers get him fit and trim. And I'm like, I've been hearing this for the last two or three years with Morelos. You know what I mean? He's, he, he has looked like he's been carrying a bit of weight for a while. He's let us down previously in terms of you know, coming back in the best shape when he goes back home to Columbia and stuff like that. And to me, there's only so, only so many times he can let you down and he, and he done it again at the start of this season. Obviously, Gio had to reprimand him. So I'm kind of done with him. I, I think it would be better for, for all concerned, you know, particularly Rangers, if they went out and got a, a, a new sort of focal number nine striker. Where are you on this, this debate? Because... 
there are still people out there who believe, you know, we should get Alfredo Morelos, you know, back in the game, get him fit, get him trim, get him playing. Uh, I'm done. Where are you? I'm in the same boat as yourself. Um, absolutely love Morelos. I think he's he's certainly repaid the money that we we spent to bring him in and uh, give us some good nights in Europe, things like that. But uh, he's just you're always waiting for the next time for him to let us down and it could be anything just can there are many times he's been set off and it's, it's no for bad tackles it's for just been stupid and we can't uh, rely on him to not do something stupid and that's that's what really frustrates me um, but that, that the game that springs to mind with the Celtic one when they take the dive at the end was sent off and then he's suspended he's was it, was it not the, the Hearts semi-final as well? Was it Hearts? I believe the one that Sadiq say, scored. It was something that had happened with Morelos yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 And uh, it's, it's, it's just a, it's like every time you think you're getting somewhere well, he lets you down. And uh, 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 so the amount of money that he'll be on wages, I think, could be better spent. So, yeah, I think it's probably best for both parties if maybe looked elsewhere and we, we brought someone else in. What about yourself, Ross? I mean, there was a thing doing the rounds recently on social media. I don't know how accurate it is, but it was uh, allegedly a list of the salaries at Ibrox. You know, so Connor Golson was at the top on thirty-seven k. I think Morelos was next, uh, or or he was third. You know, he was he was on a decent salary. I think twenty-eight, thirty grand a year, something like that. You know, Gary's pointed out, you know, a couple of occasions where he's let us down. You know, he, he was suspended for that semi-final against Aberdeen, and, and we lost that game. He never came back in time, or he never came back in a in a, in, in a sort of fit manner and, and able to play in that uh, Scottish Cup tie against Hearts, and we lost that one. You know, he's had so many good nights in terms of you know, especially in that sort of eighteen nineteen season in Europe, you know, against Porto and Feyenoord and stuff like that. And he's another one that should have went, in my opinion, for decent money. I question Alfredo Morelos's personal ambition here because I think at one point he had the chance to to you know. To, to go to a top, a bigger league, you know, and 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 really have a go at making you know a big name for himself, and it's never quite happened. I think clubs are put off with the the, the disciplinary stuff to start with. I think now it's the fitness that are maybe putting clubs off, and the fact that he just he just doesn't seem to care at times. Uh, so where are you on this? Because again, like as Gary said, he's kind of thinking he's done as well. Time to get someone new, and I'm like that. Where are you on Morelos? Yeah, you, you two are in the same boat and I'm over here in my kayak by myself because I think, honestly, like we're talking about a guy who surely he's been our top goal scorer every season since he came in, since he signed for the club. No, uh, I, th- I think I think 55, I think you'll find Kemar Roof as the top goal scorer. Kemar, right, okay. So with, with the exception maybe of that one, um, we're talking about Rangers' record goal scorer in Europe and... For all of the all of the perfectly valid and legitimate things that, that you guys have both said, yes, his his fitness, yes, his temperament, yes, his reliability, you have to show up in the country on time, um, yes, his propensity to get fallen out with people and have disciplinary issues and, and disappear for six weeks. Um, for all of that, and and for as out of shape as he might look at the moment. He's also the guy that came on and changed the game today. Maybe not individually and personally with his contribution, but the entire energy of our team changed when he came on. Um, so uh, maybe it's 
blue tinted specs or Colombian tinted specs or whatever it is. But putting all of that to one side as well, and maybe this is unfair, but do you really trust Ross Wilson to go and find us someone better? Like honestly, I, and that's that's a, that's not the reason to not do something. It's fear of what the of, of what the alternative is. But this is still a guy who scores goals. This is still a guy who, when he's on the pitch, he works hard. Like for for everything else, you can never question his desire or his drive on the pitch. Um, he sometimes, to a fault, covers a lot of ground on the pitch, and you'll often be found on the wing trying to get the ball back. And um, I don't know. I don't know that you. It's just as easy as saying, "Well, let's let him go for for no transfer fee. Fine, we we, we free up the wages, but strikers are always going to be the best paid players. Um, so we free up the wages and, and use that to bring someone in. So, can we guarantee that we're going to get someone who brings what Alfredo Morelos brings, even when he is out of shape, even with the disciplinary issues? Um, I don't think we will. And uh, I, I I think we're now working under a manager who got the best out of most of these players uh, as a first-team coach in his, his, his former spell at Rangers. Um, if the manager wants him, I think we have to sign him up. Obviously, it's, it's up the ball is, is probably in the player's court. Um, and if he wants to walk away for nothing at the end of the season, that's entirely his right. Um, I, I don't think he'll get the same move that he would have got two years ago. I think, as, as you alluded to, he's, people will be looking at his fitness, if not his temperament. So I don't see him walking into a Premiership club anymore. Um, so I would, I, I would be realistic with him and say that that's that's what the case will be. And I, I think we get a bit of paper in front of him and sign him up. I really do. There was a, there was an audacious effort from him the day, Ross. Right, I'll just try to put another perspective on this. Right. He sort of had to, not quite for the halfway line, but, you know, a good sort of 35, 40 yards out. And everyone was like, oh, that was really inventive and really audacious effort. My son turned to me and said, the only reason he done that is because he can't run. Because he had loads of space to run into, to run through and go. And I have to be honest, I was thinking the same thing. Because when the, the ball went through, I thought, right, run in on goal. And then you think, no, it's Morelos. So I think the whole reason he took that chance the way he did it's because he can't run. There was an incident in the game last week against Celtic. You know, the ball broke to him on the edge of the box. I think a striker who is fitter and leaner would have maybe have taken it in four or five yards and had a crack. He tried to do something different. Again, my son turned to me and went, he's done that because he can't run. I've, I've got a real issue with a professional football player who's on 30 plus grand a year who can't run. It's different types of strikers though, isn't it? We've got um, Sakala, Roof, Morelos, and Tolak up front. There are four very different players. Um, Sakala will run all day. Roof will run in behind. Morelos, we go back to how well he was doing against Porto and Feyenoord. It was never about his running. It was about his muscling other players out of the picture with his admittedly sizable arse. And it, it wasn't. It wasn't as sizable back then. It was, yeah. No, and, and yet. Nick Beale's come out in the last day or two and said he's actually got a lower body fat percentage than he did 18 months ago. So, uh, yeah, no, look, we, we've all got eyes and we can see what's going on. But we're, we're talking about a player who, as I say today, he still came on and changed the pace of our team despite having no pace himself. Um, we're talking about a player that his teammates clearly trust 
and want in the team because they seem to raise their level or their confidence within it. So, no, I, I, you're making very, very valid points. I think it's why we need to play with two strikers, quite frankly. Um, I think it's why we're seeing more of Sakala because they offset each other very, very nicely. Sakala will do all the running um, and Morelos will, will do what he does, which is create. He's, uh, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling on a wee bit, but he also sees passes that no one else will try. Now, unfortunately, on, on Monday against Celtic, that led to us giving away a goal. But he often does that sort of massive cross-field switch pass that no one else would do. Um, so he, he also has a bit of vision about him. And, and that doesn't make up for not running. But it just means he's a different type of player. He tries things that no one else will try. And I think uh, it goes back to the point, I do not believe we would actually find someone better for a zero transfer fee. Interesting. Uh, Gary, on to the other striker, who uh, I think is the best striker at the club, but obviously he's fitness issues. Came our roof, you know, like Hollander. We haven't seen him uh, pretty much for the last year, really. Uh, I genuinely believe if he'd played a few more minutes in that Europa League run, especially in the final, the, the result might have been different. So it was good to see him, uh, you know, getting off the bench today, getting on. Uh, some minutes on the park again because I, I don't think any of us can deny the quality that the, the guy possesses. But the big question mark is is over his fitness. And again, he was one of these players on this list that was fairly high up, you know, in terms of his salary. So uh, coming into the summer, you know, obviously we'll, we'll do a bit of a business in January, which which we'll come on and talk about. But I was talking today on Twitter about, you know, I think the next two windows are really important for Rangers, but we've got to make some really good signings and, and, and get some fresh blood in the in the door. In, in terms of, if, you know, the big question mark is over his fitness. There's no doubt about his ability. In fact, I think a few of us have said in the show that if it wasn't for his sort of fitness record, he would probably be playing at a higher level. That's the sort of quality that he, he possesses. So in terms of Beal looking at Ruth, does he roll the dice again with Ruth and think, well, even if I get 20, 25 games a season, it, um, it, it's worth the, 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 the outlay? Or is he maybe another one that it's maybe time to say, look, it's not working, time for you to move on? And and if that is the case and Morelos goes, you know, where does that leave us in the summer in terms of strikers? You know, that, that'll be an area that, that will obviously need a lot of attention in the summer if Ruth and, and Morelos go. The frustration I've got with Ruth is, is that if Come next weekend, we hear team news and they say, oh, he's picked up another knocking trainer. Yeah, We'd yeah. be really surprised. Um, and another issue I've got is that for me, like any player, especially a striker, they need like maybe 10 games to uh, get up to speed and things like that. I think he's got 10 games in a row in him. And uh, like the only real time he has had that was in a 55 season and he was a, a great player. And that allowed... Morelos to have his kind of bad. Uh, 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 Morelos wasn't scoring. Uh, Ruth would score. Ruth was, yeah. Um, whereas part of the frustration that I've got now is that Ruth's injured, so he's not there to kind of take up the slack if Morelos isn't scoring. But it's, a, it's a conundrum. I, 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 really, I don't know what the right answer is. I think he's a, he's a cracking player. So obviously he's a cracking player. But when you mentioned Hellander, he'll be on big money. Mention Roof, he'll be on big money. Yeah. And you're like, we can't, 
they can't carry too many passengers on, on big wages. I just you're wanting a return on what you're paying out. Yep. So we get in a, it's, it's hard day because there's a good player, and I certainly don't want Rangers to be a team that just says can own your bike because you're injured. Can you you want it's not a good look. You're wanting to kind of look after them and get them back to fitness. I don't know. It's been a constant with Ruth, though, isn't it? It really has aye, been over, aye. over the last year and a half. But we knew that when we signed them as well. So it's, you know, I'm in two minds. I'm really I'm in two minds. I'd love to see them can get in a run of games and prove me wrong and everything. But history's no, no giving good evidence for them. Ross, in, in terms of Beal, uh, I think that's six games in charge now. You know, he's, he's won five of those, the draw last week. And as I said earlier on, he was only a couple of minutes away from, from making it 6 out of 6. Uh, you know, he's went to places like Pataudry, Tanadice, traditionally tricky places for us to go to, and places where we haven't had a huge amount of joy uh, over the last year or two, and, and, and secured victories, and a very special one in Pataudry when you consider how that was done. Uh, I think we scored 14, conceded 6. You know, I, I don't think anyone can deny that He's, he's improved us, you know, we're, we're winning again, that's, as I said, we've, we've won five out of the last six, we've, we've not had any defeats or anything like that, definitely a sign that uh, he's galvanising us and, and making us better, but I also think it's obvious that there is work needed on that team, you know, there are areas in that team that need strength, and I would argue from middle to front there are a few areas in that, that, that team that, that need to be strengthened and we need to do some business over the next couple of windows. Uh, to bring fresh players in, fresh legs, all that kind of thing. Uh, how are you feeling after six six games of uh, Michael Beale in charge? I, I absolutely agree with everything you've just said. I think that you can clearly see what he wants to do. He's, I think we've known since he was a coach um, under under Gerard. He's a very intelligent coach. Um, he's a coach first. He's a tactician. Um, he also seems to harvest uh, to develop very good relationships with his players. Um, that, that was the, the word when he was at QPR, was that the players wanted to work for him. Um, I, I understand that part of the reason that he was appointed as Rangers manager was because the players made it quite clearly that known that they felt this was a guy they wanted to work for again. Um, so I think it's clear that we can see what he's trying to do. And what I particularly enjoyed is the happy games, as I said earlier, where he's changed things at halftime as he did today and we've come out with a different energy. Um, and it might be subtle tweaks, it might not even be tactical, it might be installing a bit of belief, um, but he's, he's done that and I think that, um, that that probably sets him apart from the likes of Gio who could not install that belief and, and, and that led to his downfall in my opinion, couldn't get the players inspired or working for him. Um, but I think you're absolutely right the squad is not strong enough. Now, I think be able to, to get five wins and a draw from six games out of that group of players is actually doing very, very well. Um, if you are a Hibs or an Aberdeen or a Dundee United, we're in a, the, the way that the league is at the moment, I, you know, these teams seem to see Celtic as unbeatable or unachievable. Um, but Rangers is a, a, an attainable scout. So you really, mm-hmm. really raise your game against Rangers. Um, I think we're in quite a vulnerable position, having just changed the manager and being nine points behind Celtic and being in a bit, of, you know, our, our squad has passed its sell-by date. Um, so 
these teams are raising their game and are desperate to come and get a scalp against Rangers. So for him to get five wins in a draw out of a very, very tough run of games, I think is incredibly impressive. I think it's super impressive. Um, I, I just think it all comes down to recruitment. We've had at least two, maybe three poor transfer windows in a row where we've spent money badly and we've brought in the wrong players. Um, and I think that's what needs to be addressed next. Um, I, I do still believe that Van Bronckhorst needed to go. Um, I, I think that the players didn't want to work for him and I think the players do want to work for Hill. I think you can actually see that on the pitch in games like today. Um, but now it's all down to recruitment, as you say. I think we have a number of players out of contract at the end of this season. Uh, some of them will go. Um, but I think we will also see some sales of players, possibly for loss. I wouldn't be surprised already to see the likes of Rabi Matondo showing the door. Um, I know we spent money on him, but I wouldn't be hugely shocked to see him go. Um, not necessarily this window, I should say, probably at, at the end of the season. I don't think there'll be a huge amount of recruitment. Uh, we'll, we'll come on to talk about that, but uh, you know, we know the squad needs a rebuild and I don't think that January is the right time to do a full rebuild, so I think we'll probably wait until the summer. But it's, I, th I think the last six games have been as encouraging as they could be. Beal was never going to come in with this group of players and start winning games 5, 6, 7, no week in, week out. So to get the results that he has, I think is it's all we could have asked for. So I'm, I'm very, very pleased. Gary, what about yourself? How are you feeling after six games? I mean, as I was saying to Ross there, you know, he's, he's secured victories at places like uh, Pataudry and Tanadise, places that are really tricky to go to. It does seem to have a, a habit. These teams seem to start really poorly. You know, the first half is pretty gash and whatever he, he does at half time, he lifts us and gets us going in the second half. I would maybe give him a wee bit of advice and say whatever it is you're doing at half time, do that as your primary team talk. That's maybe just my view, but how are you feeling after after six games of BO? Because I don't think there's any doubt that there's there's been improvement there. And as as, as Ross has pointed out, the group certainly appear to be happier. They appear to be working for someone that they want to work for. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm happy that that um, that he got the job in the first place. I know there's a lot of people uh, maybe weren't that keen, but uh, can only can these win win football games. And that's as you said, except for two minutes. Uh, last week, he should have been sitting there with six wins. But it's the it's the way that he's totally changed, like the the, the style. I like because um, it's and it's an entertainment business. So you want to you want to see us play well and play with a bit of style. And under the bonkers, that just wasn't happening. But uh, it seems like he's uh, he's came in, lifted all the players, and it's a a nice place to for them to go to work now. Which didn't didn't look like that under Van Bronckhurst. Um as uh, as Ross was uh, had kind of said, it's a maybe a perfect storm that that group of players are just coming to the end of their time at the club as Bills arrived, you know what I mean? So uh, it is going to take a, a couple of windows because I could see a lot of the players leaving. And it's just uh, it's maybe a good thing because then it's, it's his players that are going to come in, if you know what I mean, rather than you can say they've done this in the summer. Uh, had a bit of clear out and then Bill's coming in and it's not really his players. But, uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic. So it's, it's been good changes that he's made. It's, it's a sweet tweaks here and there. Can it's, it's the stuff, things like trying to like, play through the middle. Can it's stuff we just weren't, weren't doing. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Happy that he's there. I think he's done well. 
In terms of, as you said there, he's looking to bring in his own players, which brings us on to Tom Davies and, and Todd Cantwell, who have been strongly linked to Rangers, and apparently Beal spoke about them today, and it, it, it would certainly appear that there's there's something going on in the background there. Both midfielders, which I, I think we'd all agree is an area that needs addressed, you know, I think the main areas that need addressed are middle to front. I think defensively, obviously we need a new keeper, I think We'll be looking at the uh, the summer window before we do anything about that. I think now we need we need to look at especially the midfield area. And so to see that we're linked with two midfielders encouraging, it looks to me like he's addressing the right areas. Yeah, and I like the fact that he's saying that he wants guys to come in and play. That he's not wanting squad players or squad yeah. players. He's wanting guys that come in and make your team better. And that's been my biggest gripe when we won the league in the first place, is that we never seem to strengthen. It was just like for like players, and you know, there was opportunities there that we could have strengthened, like linked with Veerman and things like that. Uh, Scott Olsen as well, I mean, it never ever materialised. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's, it's, it's two midfielders are, 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 are needing because you, Steve Davis will be probably never play again uh, for us. Kamara looks like he could be going, Sands will be going back on loan, so that's certainly a yeah, an area that we need to strengthen. So as I say, it's good that it's players that Bill knows and they'll uh, be more suited to the style he wants to play. Ross, in, in terms of the two two players we've been linked with, how do you feel about them? I mean, I, I can't say I know a huge about them. Uh, maybe with your links down in uh, English football there, you'll maybe know a bit more. Um, yeah, because I work at that higher level. <laughs> Or maybe no, you play I, FIFA, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know, talk, I think both players are players that kind of came to public consciousness maybe five, four or five years ago. Um, I think Tom Davies probably more of a, what you said himself, John Lundstrom type enforcer or sort of maybe less attack-minded player, but good physical presence, ball winner. Um rock in midfield and then you get Todd Cantwell maybe a bit more dynamic a bit more again another football cliche but box to box um, I think both of those sound like what we kind of need as you say reinforcements in the centre of the park now I think they're also players who burst onto the scene with a lot of promise and potential I think I'm right saying Tom Davies was the youngest ever player to captain Everton um, at, at 20 years of age he was captain in a, admittedly in a cup game against the league opposition um, and Todd Cantwell as well burst that into the Norwich first team quite young and um, and there was a lot of hype. But I think both of them have spent time away from the game due to injuries or just not really fulfilling the, the, the early promise and the early potential. That's, it it kind of makes them feel like typical Rangers signings in a way. Very highly rated as youngsters, it's not quite happened to throw them down in England. Let's see what they can do in Scotland and, and see if we can reignite the career. Um, we've had good fortune with, with players like that, with players like Kamar Roof, for example, arguably people like Martin Waghorn. Um, so I think they, they sound like reasonable signings, they sound like good Rangers type signings and the type of players that we need. Um, Beal. Uh, being an Englishman himself, I've done a lot of coaching, spent a lot of time in England. He referenced in that Clyde interview today that both of those players have played against his Liverpool under 23 team and he was down there. So he knows them, he knows what he wants. He said over the last week or two that no players will come in without his approval. 
Um, I very much like that because he is, a, as I say, he's a tactician. He knows the style of football he wants to play. And he knows the players he wants to, or who are capable of fulfilling those roles. So um, the only thing that worries me about Todd Cantwell, and this might be completely unjustified, but there are a couple of articles from 2020 and 2021 where Cantwell talks about how difficult he's found the pressure and abuse that was directed at him when things weren't going very well for Norwich. Um, He took a lot of flack on social media and that got to him and it it, it put him in a very dark place. We know what Glasgow's like. We know what Scottish football's like. And if there's a scent of weakness, then people will go for it. So that, maybe it's unjustified, maybe it's unfair, but that does give me slight concern. Mick Beale said over the last couple of days he wants people that will grow at Rangers, um, not people that will shrink. They have to be able to carry the weight of the shirt. So that gives me confidence that he's doing his due diligence at least um, and, and getting the right kind of person in. So I think we, we put our faith in that. Hey, before I go on to discuss uh, other topics, uh, last thing on today's game, uh, just quickly, Ross, the songbook, by the way, support today, especially in the first half, the sort of first 10, 20 minutes. Yeah. And it, and it just feels like, it seems to me like, uh, you know, the Queen dying, uh, uh, a former Pope dying, has brought the worst out, you know, and the, you know, obviously the, the, the debacle last week uh, with the minute silence for the, the Ibox disaster, which has been a consistent now for, for, for a number of years. It just seems like it's bringing the worst out. Uh, all the, obviously, we had the incident with the United fans, uh, Ibrox, for the, the, the minute silence for for Queen Elizabeth. It just feels like the dregs are, are, are coming up at the moment. And I mean, that songbook today, I thought was was, was pretty poor. I, I felt it was the same uh, at, at the last away game. I'm trying to remember where it was. but And even, even the old fun game last week, you know, the Bully Boys was back. That's something you very rarely hear at Ibrox these days. It, it just feels like it's took a step back recently. Yeah. I mean, uh, no Pope of Rome was quite prominent today. Well, I, 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 I said to my son, I said, that's us singing about the Pope, singing about the IRA, Jock Steen, or Celtic playing today, because it seemed to be we were singing stuff that wasn't sort of linked to Rangers. Yeah, um, I'm beyond comprehending why this is happening. I think it's just, it's pathetic, and it's, um, you know, he's singing about Tommy Burns over Christmas. Yeah. Right? It just what is the point? It's the same people that, that that will kick up the most fuss about a song about the Queen, but will then go and sing about Tommy Burns. And the answer, you know, the, the defence is, well, they done it first. It's it's pathetic. And the problem that I have with it, beyond all of the kind of social issues that this drags up, is the fact that these guys, our supporters, are begging for the board for the executives of the club to do more to defend us defend your club and defend us fans stop making us an easy target then for God's sake stop making us a target and then lashing out at the boards or at the executives when they don't do enough to defend us because you're it's a completely unfair position to put the 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 guys running the club in Um, I I think the club needs to engage with with, I don't know I don't know if it's Formerly the Union Bears or the Broomland Collective, I don't know who it is. I, in fact, I'm sure that those groups would say this really isn't anything to do with us. This is people going on away trips, getting pissed up and, and acting like idiots. 
and that's that's I'm sure that's very very true. Um, but something needs to change, and and pointing out the imbalance in whether it's the reporting of events or uh, reporting of incidents of Rangers or Celtic fans, there is a, an imbalance. We all know there's an imbalance in how yeah. things are reported, but it's not a justification. It, it simply has to stop. It's. Uh, I mean, I'm. I'm not going to sit here and and you know be a hypocrite. I, you know, songs like the Billy Boys and stuff like that back in the eighties. I've sang these songs, so I'm not going to be a hypocrite about it. But you know, I, I think it was sort of in my early twenties I started to notice the negative press surrounding Rangers, and I felt that if I wanted to represent the club in the best possible way, and and and, and that's how. That's how I feel about a fan. I feel like wherever I go, I represent the club because I'm a Rangers supporter. You have to try and represent the club in the best way. And that's that's what I struggle with with, with, with the people that indulge in this. They claim to love Rangers, and I'm sure they do. But if you love something, why would you go out your way to damage it? And that this I, I know, as you say, there's there's a, there's sometimes inaccuracies in the report, and, there, and there's certainly you know a lack of scrutiny over certain other songs from other club supporters and I get that I mean there was a song at Pathology eh, a few weeks back about Ryan Jack dying that never saw the light of day obviously there's been the song from the Celtic supporters recently about Walter Smith David Cooper Jimmy Bell and I think that's where the Tommy Burns stuff has came for you know it's, in, it's, it's a sort of tit for tat but I just don't get why supporters go down that road I really don't because all it does is it gift wraps negative headlines to people like Spears and all the, all the rest? Of, they're just sitting there lapping it up, and uh, I just struggle with it. I really do. I just don't understand if you love the club, why you would go out your road to damage it. And and to me, that's what these kind of songs are doing. But we'll leave that there. Uh, we'll move on, uh, guys, to the other stuff through the week. Uh, Gary, I'll come to you in this. Uh, the VAR controversy. Uh, I mean, <sighs> It just does my nothing, you know that 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 club over the road and the support, their their ambulance chasing victim mentality. That you know a club that's won so many trophies over the last few years, uh, yet always claim to be the victim of some form of Masonic conspiracy when it comes to referees and decisions and all that kind of stuff. You know, I've had Celtic-minded pundits like Tom Boyd. I, I, I mean. Yeah. Aye, anyway, Sutton, Hartson, you know, they've all made comments in, in the, the paper this week on the back of the Connor Goldson incident in the Old Firm game last week that there is corruption within Scottish football, you know, that uh, the SFA and referees are out to get Celtic, even although it's been pointed out that, you know, the handball incident under the rules wasn't a penalty, you know, Connor Goldson didn't make his body bigger and all that kind of thing. And through the week, you know, Postagoglu came out as well, and that really pissed me off. You know, he waded in, uh, and he's caught here. Uh, we can just say it comes down to interpretation, but I guarantee you that if that game had finished two all, and it was Rangers that were denied the decision to talk, uh, denied that decision, the talk this week would be how that was a title-defining decision. You know, insinuating that the media are sort of pro Rangers, insinuating that uh, you know the SFA are pro Rangers, and all that kind of stuff. It's just tedious, and it—I mean—it really bores the tips off me. It really does, you know. That you know, for for the club to claim that these decisions are deliberate, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're focused on Celtic in order to, to favour Rangers, you know, that sort of paranoia, the, the mentality, you know. What really gets me is is this feeling that every time Celtic win, 
it's deserved. And every time they don't win, it's because they've been cheated in some way. Another defeat. Um, so the, the the start I put on Twitter uh, during the week was that they've won 21 trophies out of a possible 33 since the 2011-2012 season. In that same period, we've won two. And they're trying to tell us there's a conspiracy against Celtic. It's, uh, it's uh, absolutely blows my mind. So I was over at my dad's earlier to collect my, my wee boy and we'd said about the Postacoglu quote that he'd said there was only two saves made last week and one was Joe Hart, one was uh, Golson. And uh, I honestly thought that was a piss take when I seen it. I, I cannot believe that Celtic managers came out and said that. And as for um, Chris Sutton, the, there was a clip going around on BT Sports uh, that he's actually standing next to the referee and they set up a basically replica of what happened with Goldson and the referee explained why that isn't a penalty and for him to be there witnessing I don't know if that's maybe six months ago or, or whenever it was yeah it's it's, it's uh, Savage isn't it Robbie Savage and aye, Peter Crouch aye, aye. yeah yeah I've yes, seen that yeah. uh, so, so he's been told this before but when he's up in it maybe Scotland that's the cause controversy and try and stir up all the all these nut jobs I think they're, they're out to get done but if I'm being honest if that decision had happened to us last week I would have been raging I would, I would have wanted a penalty but the rules say it's no so it's as if these people have got the they get the result first and they try and work out how that happens yeah. before actually don't even look at the rules but you're never going to change these people's minds it's absolutely yeah. nuts. Tom Boyd, as far as I'm aware, is a Celtic Football Club employee. He's an yeah. ambassador. He does whatever, whatever happened to the investigation into Tom Boyd for the SFA? That, that, that never came to anything. That never came to anything. Yeah. Tom Boyd, who has gone on record in a documentary to talk about this conspiracy, is again this week saying that there's a conspiracy against Celtic. He's a he's an employee of a football club in the Scottish Premier Scottish Professional Football League Premiership. He is bringing the game into disrepute because he is uh, openly and overtly saying that there's a conspiracy and that the referees and the SFA are against one club. That's bringing the game into disrepute, and I don't know why that's not a problem. I don't know why he can get away with that. Um, you know, I've seen comments about how. You know, comments on social media from Celtic fans saying we need to cause another referee strike. And that's that's actually something they're actively working towards now is causing another referee strike because that's a that's a good outcome for them. Uh, it, it is beyond comprehension, as you say. In, in what world is it acceptable that the debate has moved away from going? Uh, as Gary quite rightly said, that should have been a penalty, but the rules say it's not. That to that should have been a penalty, therefore it's a conspiracy. It's it's a completely illogical perspective, and in any other rational country, it would have been shut down. For some reason here, it just isn't. I mean, we can we can we can look at the inconsistencies of that. I mean, there was there was that penalty decision at, at Pathology, which which Rangers never got. Uh, which, by the way, was was never even talked about at half time. They never even raised it as, you know, was this a penalty? Was it not a penalty? It wasn't even discussed. Uh, there was an incident at the Liverpool game yesterday. It's possibly one of the worst decisions I've seen when it came to VAR when, when Wolves had a, 
a goal disallowed for offside. When the, when the guy that scored it looked to me to be about a good four or five yards onside, there was a number of bodies between him and the goal when he scored and VAR ruled it off for offside. So I, I think we can all point out that there are issues with VAR. I think I've made my views on VAR pretty clear on this show down the years. So it suggests that these issues only revolve around one club and are deliberate. And, you know, and it's all to stop this club who are nine points clear. And as Gary's pointed out, eh, they've won X amount of trophies out the, out the last 33, 20, 22, 23 out the last 30, whatever it was. 21. 21, right. And Rangers have won two in that time. You know what I mean? If, if, if that's a conspiracy, can you imagine what it would be like if, if that trophy hall was the other way about right now? Yeah. So I've got a, a funny uh, story that I, I've, I came up with. So years and years ago, there was a Newcastle manager. I can't remember who it was. What he said was, when we signed a new player, what they used to do was, that he had a, a video made up and it was, um, it was like a fan's perspective of how their day would go if Newcastle won or lost. So we can go into the game and whatever, and then after it, can maybe just go home sad or whatever like that. I think Celtic do that, but it's anyone but Celtic they get shown. Because <laughs> straight away, that boy Johnson, is he's right in it. Straight yeah. away, just in the door. It's absolutely bonkers. As Ali said, he's not even taking a dump in the place yet, and he's already coming out with the, the mentality. I mean, Ross, final sort of discussion uh, point tonight, sorry, and, and, and on this. Should Rangers be doing anything to, to counter this? Because, I mean, Postagoglu has dragged us into this by saying if this was Rangers, you know, it would be a different story. I, I don't see why we need to be dragged into this at all. You know, we didn't make the decision. It was the referees and VAR and all that kind of thing. So why he's, he's implicating it would be different if Rangers were involved. You know, do the club need to step in here and say, you know, sit down, big man? I don't know. I don't know what that would look like. You know, from a corporate PR and comms perspective, I don't know how that looks. Um, there was a period... Must well, it wouldn't look as daft as how their argument looks, to be fair. But on the face of it, no. But it would then it would be how it's reported. And then, then it would be positioned in a daft way. You know, Rangers in 20, what, probably 2017 were positioned as statement FC because of the number of times that we were responding to everything and putting club statements out. Um, I felt at that time we had a, quite an aggressive comms strategy. Um, I think I'm right in saying that recently Rangers have appointed a new director of PR, um, Alistair Morrison. Um, so we, we might see a change in, in PR approach and in, in communications approach. In this case, I don't really know what there is. If, if Rangers were to do any talking on this, I would channel it through the manager and let the manager say what he thinks of it. Um, no, I think our manager has a bit more class than Postacoglu does, clearly. I actually um, didn't think that Postacoglu was the least classy of their managers, but um, he's certainly shown himself this season that he's um, yeah, he's, he's, he's really fallen in line with the Celtic way, isn't he? Um, but I would, I think Mick has, Beal, I should say, has, has come out and sort of said what he wanted to say on it, that there were other decisions that we're not talking about. Um, I don't think Rangers as a club need to respond. As I say, I don't know what that is. is that a club statement saying other clubs shouldn't be talking about us? I think um, I think Postacoglu has made himself stupid, quite frankly. 
um, didn't need to do it. They've covered nine points clear. They've lost one game all season. And, and you want to talk about a decision that was correct and, and, and position it as some kind of injustice. I, I think it's, it's ludicrous, quite frankly. Um, so I would, uh, no, I would, I would leave it. Um, but as I say, let's, let's see what we get from this new comms director. On that, we'll leave it. Let's see what the new comms director brings to us. Uh, so, a big thanks to Ross and to Gary there. Great stuff from them, uh, as always. Uh, the show was live tonight. We were live on the Sunday night, but it will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, there'll be shows out next week, obviously. We'll hopefully get a preview show out, and uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, to cover the Aberdeen game, uh, the semi-final against Aberdeen. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself on to the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Have a good week, guys. Uh, if you're like me, you're going back to work tomorrow for the first time in a fortnight, so I get it's a sore one, but hopefully you know, you'll have a good week. Rangers have given you a good start to it anyway. Uh, and until next time, bye for now. <laughs>